A strong dollar and reinforced oil reserves have an impact on the oil market. Archie Smith is here with all the information you need to stay up to date. Freight rates showed a trend reversal last week. We'll keep you up to date with all the latest market activity. All this and more on Freight Up. Freight Up! Hello and welcome to Freight Up. My name's Fernanda and I'll be your host as we navigate the seas of freight and commodities. So this week's episode is a bit more visual in the sense that we have a couple of graphs that our speakers would like you to take a look at to follow along with what they're saying. You can find these at FreightUpPodcast.com forward slash Graphs November. That's FreightUpPodcast.com forward slash Graphs November. We have the People's Broker back to elucidate all things oil an interview with Chart IQ's Andrew Schenkel to discuss his macroeconomic view for next year and how that's going to impact his market activity. Luke Hanley from our research team will be joining us to discuss oil tankers and the percentage cost of fuel oil on freight. And last but not least, we will discuss those freight rates and what's been going on on the paper market. But first, let's dive into fuel with Archie Smith. So a recent item of note is trading levels. What's going on there? Yeah, so it's been quite eventful in the crude market. It's really been coming off. There's a lot of downward pressure on the on the Brent futures at the minute. Oh, well, you know, all of the benchmarks, really. But I'd say the kind of the first thing to address is, you know, since uh, the beginning of last month, the backdrop has very much been the uh, the Gaza conflict. All throughout October, our market was so kind of poised, ready for something to happen. And that's why we kind of saw prices tick up and then go down and then up. And, but this month, there's really been that kind of solidarity that the conflict's basically not going to spill over. Obviously, you know, you can't speak too soon. It, anything can happen. It's war. Anything can happen. But yeah, the, the market's not looking at it at the minute. With that out the way as such, you know, we're getting continued just focus on, on macroeconomic pressures. You know, people worried about Chinese demands, US demands. I mean, something more recently that's kind of hit prices is the API data came out last night, American Petroleum Institute, and that saw a build in the crude inventories of just shy of 12 million barrels, which is a significant, significant build. So yeah, again, that's knocked crude prices off as well. I mean, today we've, you know, we've traded, well, we're trading around levels that we've not so low that we've not seen since July. So a good few months. We even started trading sub $81 per barrel today, briefly. I think it's kind of bounced back up to around $81.20. At the time uh, that, you left desk. At the okay. time I left my desk. Uh, which, and that's for the, for the Jan 24 Brent crude future, which is the front month future in the Brent. So yeah, really kind of seeing that come off. One more thing on the crude, just to add to the, the list of downward pressures, is a stronger dollar. Uh, obviously, when the dollar's stronger, yeah, all, all oil's priced in US dollars. So when that dollar's stronger, all holders of foreign currency have less buying power. So kind of less encouraged to buy, if you will. Uh, yeah. So therefore, that's just another reason to add why the, uh, the market's really coming off. But yeah, Brent off a good four or five bucks from last week. The almighty American consumer, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> US putting their, doing their thing. <laughs> uh, don't worry, I'm putting in my work here. I've just stimulated the economy yeah. by spending yeah. most of my paycheck on thanksgiving oh, oh yeah nice no, all the here. all the food stocked up when Every, is it oh yeah and so it's the 23rd yeah 
but my party's on the 18th and you're all invited. Okay. Lovely. So if you're listening Are you doing right all the cooking? Now, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sous vide like three turkeys and then deep frying oh, them. Bro. Deep fried turkey. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, well, you sous vide <laughs> I know you sous vide it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the skin's so crispy. I bet, yeah. No, it sounds okay, good. Okay. Archie will be there. So if you're listening, just come ask him questions. He'll, he'll be there. Just pop us a review on Apple Podcasts uh, or <laughs> Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, I'll send you my address. It's perfect. Good exchange there. What else is going on in the world of oil? Well, so kind of that kind of moves me on to the fuel markets more specifically and the ah. bunkers. Talking about very low sulfur fuel oil, it's holding firm. It's very, very resilient against the, the falling Brent. Really? It's, yeah, so basically we're seeing massive strength in the very low sulfur fuel oil cracks in the front. And that's basically stabilizing the, the flat price against the fall in the Brent. You know, a lot of people see okay brent's falling therefore the fuel oil flat prices must be falling it's not always not the, case the case because yeah. there's two factors there's brent and there's cracks and these cracks are so strong at the moment that you know when the brent does fall the crack goes up and the the flat price is kind of just sitting level so fuel markets stable really there's no clear answer to why we're seeing such strength in the 0.5 stuff which is the very low sulfur yeah uh, there's no clear answer but kind of market chatter is that Chinese refineries are producing less of it. So obviously more from the physical side. And again, that's really pushing the, the time spreads as well. I mean, you know, the deck Jan, which is the front spread at the minute, that's trading up like $2 today, you know, even higher on the week. Oh, wow. So we're just seeing a lot of buying in front spreads and front cracks. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes it's even hard to, to find sellers of it. It's, it's hard to find offers sometimes because, you, oh, wow. you know, what that kind of tells you is that people are, are seeing it carrying on. You can't call anything. It's just the market. Who knows? Yeah. But that's what's happening at the moment. Yeah. Well, luckily um, we have you to keep us up there. <laughs> but just to, you know, give you some perspective of some numbers wise, the front cra uh, sink point five crack, which is the deck, that's trading around $14 per barrel. That's about $4 higher on the week and like $1.50 higher on the day. You, you know, to see movements in the like intraday movements in the crack that high, you don't see them that often. You know, it can normally fluctuate 30, 40 cents, but you know, like $1.50 up on the day is, and that's just, you know, it could, could carry on. And that's just obviously halfway yeah. through the day, right? Just to kind of give you a bit of perspective on it. Uh -huh. Really, really rallying in the, in the low sulfur complex. There was a quota that came out recently from the Q80 uh, Petroleum Corporation that basically said the 0.5 stuff could be in, in pretty tight supply. From a physical standpoint, fundamental standpoint, seems to have boosted that 0.5 futures and swaps market substantially. High sulfur is slightly different. To mention anything on the high sulfur would be probably the high sulfur East West. That has rallied 18 bucks on the week. Just over a week ago, it was trading flats. Yeah. Um, and when the high sulfur East West is trading flat, that means that the Sing 380 grade is trading at the same price as the European 3.5% grade so the two high sulfurs in the two regions are yeah. basically trading same price if the, if the east west is flat that's rallied to, to about 18 bucks over the week yeah. which means that the 380 is trading uh, quite a healthy premium to the high sulfur barges which yeah. again kind of reinforces the fact that perhaps uh, you know chinese refineries aren't producing as much etc cetera, etc cetera. and again it's just weakness in the euro crack the the high sulfur euro crack we've you know that's really kind of been coming off the last few days you know like a dollar here a dollar there you know trading around minus 16 level minus 16 dollars oh, wow. per barrel on the on the high sulfur euro crack and you know, obviously when that comes off it drags the barges flat price down with it 
yeah. again, widening the east-west. So that's why we're kind of seeing a lot of strength there. And again, I mean, another thing to mention on the on the high sulfur euro stuff is it's in the front, it's actually gone contango, which is where the future becomes more expensive than the spot. Yeah. So, I mean, it's only for some of the front months we're seeing them, and it's only in, in small amounts, but we, we are seeing, you know, Jan trading 25 to 50 cents higher than deck and and so so on and so forth down to about mid 2024. Well, RG, I think... The time has come for you to say goodbye to Farewell the Freedom Community. It's a tough time. Until next week. I look forward to it. Yeah, me too. So this week in the freight market, we are seeing a slight reversal of last week's trend with a budding upward tick. Now, in the Cape specifically, last Tuesday, the 31st of November, sellers concentrated the market post-index at negative 594, which had a bit of a bearish effect as November traded up to 15,800 before trading down to 15,250 near close, while December traded down to 14,250 at the end of the day. Now, this trend continued into Wednesday as first trades of the day saw November getting sold at 15,150. Now, Thursday is when we saw a slight change of pace as November and December traded up to 15,100 and 14,100 off the back of a strong TA fixture. Friday is where we had our first really bullish day as the first trade saw November paid at 15,250, which is a plus 250 range, which was then quickly paid at 15,500, while December was paid up to 14,500 plus 500. Now, this trend continued up until Tuesday, the 7th of November, which is my niece's Emily's birthday. So happy birthday, Emily. She has nothing to do with freight rates, but I do make her listen to this podcast. So Tuesday the 7th was an active morning as December printed at a high of 15,250 and November at 18,250. C5 was active with November trading at $8.90, $8.95, and $9. Selling soon entered the market, which caused November to gap down to 17,600 and then 17,900 with the low of the day closing 17,000 trading. Now, in the world of Panamaxes, last Tuesday, the 31st, we had a bearish market for the paper as November and December were sold off to lows of 11,000 and 10,100, respectively. Q1 slipped to 8,300 and Cal24 traded down to a low of 10,500. Fast forward to this Tuesday, the 7th of November, and November and December managed to push up to 11,500 and 10,600, respectively. Q1 pushed up to 9,150, while further out, Cal24 traded inside 10,800 and 10,900. Liquidity did seem to dry out in the afternoon session, yet the market still finished well up on the day. Last but not least, the Supermax market. So last Tuesday, the 31st, the morning session saw prices tick up. However, rates did stall as the day progressed. 
The index didn't improve the situation, down $270, and October consequently settled at 13702 November traded in the range of 11750 to 11450 and December 10950 to 10500 Q1 traded down to 8725 there wasn't much activity on Wednesday and Thursday. Supermax remained range-bound as November and December traded within a range of 150. This trend continued on to Friday up until Monday, where good bidding activity pushed November and December to highs of 12,200 and 11,250. Q1 got pushed up to 9,150. However, rates stalled and saw little movement post a rather flat index, down $31. Tuesday the 7th, the Supermax still maintained their range-bound trading with a less-than-impressive index, down 14, which a less-than-impressive index, negative 14, brought little life into the Supermax market as volumes remained low throughout the day. And that is it for the freight market. So I'm personally interested in seeing whether this uptick continues, but like you, I won't find out until next week, so you'll have to stay tuned. So joining us now to discuss some recent research our team has conducted is Luke Hanley. How are you doing, Luke? I'm not doing too bad, Fern. Thank you. Oh, fantastic to bad. hear. Now, before we get into the actual nitty gritty of this research, I need to ask you, a very important question and that's did you know mm -hmm. that the stars at night are big and bright deep in the heart of texas i heard about it i definitely have heard about this i'm glad that you'd heard about it mm -hmm. because i think that has a thing or two to do with what you're going to talk about today it does not it does indeed it does indeed fis including our ceo john b are currently in houston this week for a oh. cross commodity event yeah, so with that in mind, the research team here at FIS have taken a look at the most famous of Texan air exports. Fern, what do you think that is? Presidents. President's final answer, Luke. Presidents is runner-up. Number one would be oil. Whoa! Yeah, 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 yeah. In this case, definitely oil. This is obviously an important world commodity and has an impact on a whole range of upstream products and processes, so ranging from household energy prices to food production. And I'm assuming freight rates as well. Indeed, Fern, indeed. The thing that the team have been looking at this week is the changing cost percentage of fuel oil for powering oil tankers. So in other words, what percentage of earnings on an oil tanker are being taken up by purchasing fuel? Oh, fascinating. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. definitely a question of interest. It to, is. Uh, uh, it's riveting. To everyone yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. So now the work that has been done would obviously be different for each of the individual vessels, depending on a range of factors such as their fuel consumption or efficiency, whether they are scrubbered or non-scrubbered. Nevertheless, the trends that the research concludes does give us a bit of an insight into what is happening in this market at the moment. So what has been happening, Luke? Right, yeah. So what we've been looking at this week is basically we've observed two of the Baltic Exchange's crew tanker routes, TD3, which is the Middle East to China, and TD25, which would be the US Gulf to ARA. And we compare the change in freight rates to fuel oil prices. So if you look at a typical scrubber TD3 uh, VLCC using high sulfur fuel oil, 
you get an interesting trend. So basically in 2021, you have a very stable trend of 50% of freight rate earnings oh, being wow. taken up by the fuel costs. Oh my God. Yeah, so it's pretty substantial. This does take a peak in early 2022. High sulfur fuel oil prices were 130% higher in May 2022 than they were in early January. And this was obviously driven by the invasion of Ukraine and concerns over supply with the withdrawal of uh, Russian supply from the market. This has now settled down to nearly 20% as fuel has cooled somewhat from their highs and freight rates have rocketed. So freight rates today are 126% higher than they were at the start of 2021, but fuel rates are only up 53%. There is a similar trend in TD25 with the percentage having been 40% in early 2021 before dropping to today's level of below 20%. So yeah, it was just a quick uh, exercise to see how these input costs are affecting the earnings of vessel operator owners. It's something which can get lost when just looking at the outright freight costs. And yeah, I hope that was just a quick, nice snippet. Well, no, it was certainly insightful. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Luke. We really appreciate it. No, no problem. Happy to be here. Now let's talk to Andrew Schenkel about what he thinks the macroeconomic picture for next year looks like. So my name is Andrew Shankel, and I'm with Chart IQ, S&P Standard & Poor's Chart IQ. Uh, and we provide data visualizations for hedge funds and asset managers, charts, charting, uh, and other visualizations to help improve uh, pre-market uh, trade analysis to post-trade execution and everything in between. So Andrew, can you tell us a bit more about your background and kind of what sparked your curiosity in data and the economy? I began my career working for a buy-side research firm and uh, called Williams Inference Service. And Jim Williams was definitely a fringe thinker and observer of markets, but service was to those who took it, it was crucial for their success. And Jim was, had clients like Peter Lynch at Fidelity and many of the buy side portfolio managers at Fidelity, Wellington Asset Management, Lazard, Frere, Lehman Brothers, many of the different buy side firms had took his research because it looked at markets indirectly and looked at not what was explicitly being foretold through the narrative that people developed, but what was implied by different pieces of information. And I learned that technique and employed it in my own life, in my own professional career, when I ran my own consulting firm and was an analyst for Dr. Ben Galad. And Ben is the president of the Academy of Competitive Intelligence. He specializes in war games, and I was Ben's analyst for several war games, including some for global integrated oil companies, as well as others that through work in, in Central America and the like. And now I'm at S&P with Chart IQ and doing what I think I'm naturally um, here to do on this earth, which is to look at charts and read charts and help people with charts. And because, you know, I utilize not only charts every day in my daily job, but I also trade options on the side and spreads mainly. So 
the way that I look at the world is through the lens of Jim Williams and looking at markets through a competitive lens and how things push and pull between bulls and bears. So what I'm going to talk with you about today is really just sort of my perspective or two cents on the things that are happening in the market today and how they kind of foretell the things that are to come. What are the main factors you've kind of been inspecting in kind of forming your picture of what next year is going to look like? The first observation price is where things are today. It is the description of the push and pull between bulls and bears in the marketplace today. And the, the, how I'm going to contextualize what I'm going to say is through looking at the SPY and the price action that's been occurring in the SPY. And I guess the first thing to do is to kind of acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is everybody's been portending this eminent recession. It definitely has been the elephant in the room. It's It, it does seem to feel more like a, uh, a when, not if. Um, at least the way that it's been characterized. Very true. And, uh, and in the perspective that I have sent to you, I'm going to send you these slides. But in the first slide, it's a long-term perspective of the SPY. And you see in this that we are following along a long-term diagonal support line. And if you get really sort of techy about the... Um, technical analysis, what we have here is a cup and handle, and the handle is a bull flag pattern. To me, right here, right now, even though we might test next week 420 or 416, come down from 435, I think that there is a bull run on the back end of this to either hit or come close to the July highs of 460 or the all-time highs of 480. The reason why I say that is that seasonally, the back end of the year is very positive to the end of the year. The second thing is, is that there's, now that we're pulling out of earnings season, there's $208 billion worth of pent-up stock buybacks that are going to be enacted once, uh, fully enacted once the uh, earnings period is over, which I think ends either uh, I think next week. So we have the tailwinds of that, those types of investments behind us. And seasonality tells us that going forward into the end of the year, that that's probably going to be a bull run. What I think will look like is in the near term from 435, we'll probably again, as I said before, retest 420-ish. And I'm saying that's an ish. We might get a poke above of 435 to 430, 437, 440. But again, I think we'll have a retest for the inverse head and shoulders in the last three weeks or four weeks of the market. We've seen uh, the bottoming out. We should see the left shoulder, the head, and the, what's coming is the right shoulder develop over the next couple of days probably by midweek next week. How does that translate to the broader macroeconomic picture for next year? There's a couple of things that have been weighing on my mind 
at least in terms of observation. So we see in slide number two, which is the yield curve, that yields have been rising up until very recently, which is slide number three, in which we see that 10-year yield, it pushed up against the price, pushed up against the upward ascending channel and got deflected off of that. And where that is actually a little bit more clear to see is in slide number five, looking at a market called TBT. Now, TBT is an ultra, ultra shares inverse bond ETF, but it's, it, it shows yields as people have been looking at T, the big brother TLT. I look at TBT just because what you really want to track is the yield and how are the yields reacting. And TBT shows that very clearly. And what I've shown on this particular slide is that you have these exaggerated moves from mid-September all the way through to October. And then it there's a last long or push up into the upper channel or the upper part of that channel and a rejection firm rejection off of that. And just as a wrap up, what is your big takeaway for our audience? I guess to put a baseline on it, I am not a financial consultant. I'm not a, anything like that, but I would, I would say to the audience that just as a personal level, just keep an eye on markets and act accordingly, which means that at a personal level, getting out of getting out of debt, loading up on cash and looking for buying opportunities as markets pull back. Thank you so much for joining. And this is the part of the show where I normally beg you to go to FreightUpPodcast.com and leave us a review. But I'm not going to do that this week because I'm using reverse psychology. Well, yeah. Until next time. Freight Up! Freight up.